We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 537 of the Packaday Podcast. My name is Andy Herman. Of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am a writer and editor for Packer Report, and I get the exciting opportunity to do the post game show for the Packers' divisional round victory over the Seattle Seahawks. The Packers win 28 23 a game that at times seemed like it was going to potentially echo uh, the Packers' second half uh, collapse in the NFC Championship against the Seattle Seahawks a few years back. We'll get into that and more in just a moment. It doesn't matter all that much because, of course, the Packers end up with the huge victory and, of course, are on to the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. What a day, what a night, a night that ended with Lambeau Field being filled like a snow globe. I know a lot of people didn't get to see that on television, but uh, it was absolutely a magical scene after the game. It was a special night. Uh, you could tell there was just something a little bit extra. Aaron Rodgers in his post, uh, post-game press conference uh, was just glowing, you know, talked about the talked about the moment talked about how special it is being part of this team uh, having you know the fans have that special bond with the franchise it, there was just something in the air throughout the entirety of the day being around Lambeau Field being in that stadium uh, being there 
after the game for the press conferences. It was just a special, special game. And of course, again, the, the Packers are on to San Francisco in this NFC Championship game and, and what continues to be a very special season for this Green Bay Packers team. There's a lot to discuss. We'll get into all of it. We'll go over the offense, the defense, the special teams, the player of the game, the play of the game. Uh, but I always like to start with my initial takeaways. And there were uh, a couple takeaways that I want to get into right away. And I've, I've kind of had this same takeaway for a lot of the post-game shows uh, over the course of this last half of the season. But this is the same kind of story that we have seen all season long from this Green Bay Packers team. Uh, a couple things. One, they know how to win football games. Uh, two, they basically play one really great half of football uh, throughout the game. And the other half is a little bit iffy. And the, the question is, is can their really good half be better than their really bad half? And 14 times out of 17, that answer has been yes. And uh, I thought their their first half was was near brilliant, 21 to three in that first half. Uh, the second half, not quite as much. They lose that 20 to seven in the second half, but it was once again uh, enough to hang on, pick up a victory and pick up their 14th win on the season. So uh, again, it's been one of those special types of seasons. This is the same storyline they've used. Uh, every game has been a degree of difference. A lot of times they've won because they've won the turnover battle. Sometimes they've won because they've run the football. A lot of times they've run because of their defense. Uh, today, it was really the connection between Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams that really, I think, set this offense apart. And I think when when they needed those first downs at the end, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams came up with some big ones. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Graham was very involved as well. But uh, they found ways to make plays when they needed to. And that's been the story of this season. Um, I also think uh, the the other takeaway, and I've been I've been kind of clamoring on this for the last month as well, is that this is just a special team in a special season. And at some point, 14 wins is impressive. Take away all the glamour points, the sexy points. This isn't a a national championship run where you have to impress a committee and win by a certain amount of points in order to to kind of move on and get in that final four. This is a performance based league where your victories mean something, and their victories are going to put them through to the NFC Championship game. So uh, I don't necessarily care that they aren't winning these games, you know, super pretty. We've we've talked about this all season long. Uh, the, the win ugly mantra is, is certainly alive and well once again. Would have been great if they, they maybe could have buckled down on defense a little bit more in that second half and, and maybe made things a little bit easy, uh, you know, easier on themselves. But you can't expect that uh, in an, uh, a divisional round game with an opportunity to go to an NFC Championship on the line. And you also have to know this is the Seattle Seahawks team with Pete Carroll as coach, Marshawn Lynch as running back, Russell Wilson at quarterback, that uh, Bobby Wagner at, at linebacker that did come back from that Packers game in the NFC Championship game and that you knew there was going to be no quit in that team. You knew that they were going to believe that they could win that game no matter the stakes, no matter the odds, no matter how much they were down. That team was not going to quit, and, and we saw that again today. Uh, there was a lot of differences today, though, of course, the biggest one being that Green Bay came away with the win, uh, but we'll get into some of those differences in just a bit, but uh, those, again, were, were my takeaways. Same same sort of game, same sort of result, and uh, enough with the the talk about how they're, how they're winning football games, the point and the, the fact of the matter is they are winning football games and they're going to the NFC championship game. 
Uh, let's start then with with talking about how this offense performed today because we've seen a lot of games recently where it's had to be the defense that's really stepped up in major moments. And I thought today it was really, uh, you know, the offense and the impetus was on the passing game to come up with the big plays when they needed it most. Uh, you start off this game even before kickoff starts learning that Brian Bulaga is not going to play in the game, that Jared Valdir is going to have to make the start. What a huge huge, huge, huge signing that this was by Brian Gutekunst mid-season claiming him off waivers. The fact that he was retired and then comes back, plays for the Packers, they get him ready to go. I've said it before, they do not win that game in Detroit if if uh, Green Bay does not pick up Jared Valdir. So who knows if they're even playing in this game in the first place because they would have had to win a wild card game uh, last week. Uh, and number two, uh, they would not have won today without Jared Valdir. I believe that wholeheartedly once again. I just think the difference between going from Brian Bulaga and Alex Light or whatever other iteration that they would have used, maybe they would have kicked Billy Turner to tackle and put Lucas Patrick at guard. I'm not sure, but I think the difference is enough in these games, both Detroit and, and today with the five-point victory over Seattle. I do not believe that Green Bay wins those games uh, if it were not for Jared Valdir and Brian Gutekunst claiming him off waivers from the New England Patriots. So a thank you to the New England Patriots for for moving on from Jared Valdir, for not activating him, for not keeping him on the Patriots roster. Thank you to the rest of the league for not claiming Jared Valdir, and a huge kudos to Brian Gutekunst for making that move. Uh, one of the funny stories that came out in the press conference after the game is uh, Rodgers was talking uh, to the press, obviously, afterwards and, and told the story of how he was talking to Valdir on the sidelines saying that he was just retired, you know, a, a handful of weeks back. And now he's starting at right tackle in the uh, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And uh, Valdir said that he was at the Packers' first game in Chicago week one as a spectator, as a fan of the game. So uh, how crazy of a story that he started the season in Chicago as a fan in the stadium and now again makes his start in the divisional round and plays really good football. It wasn't always perfect, uh, but that was a really strong game from Jared Valdir, the offensive line as a whole. And uh, again, I think that's a huge reason that Green Bay got this win. But that news to kick things off that Brian Bulaga was not going to be able to play was certainly a a little bit of a punch to the gut to start things off, even with you know Jared Valdir playing as well as he did. That's still a pretty big loss uh, to begin with. Uh, we start with the game. Green Bay gets the ball first, and Aaron Jones immediately gets things going with a 23-yard run, and it, it would have been safe to assume at that point that, all right, this is going to be another big Aaron Jones game. You knew that Green Bay was going to want to feature Aaron Jones. You knew they were going to want to get him going early and often, but a, a great job by the Seattle defense of taking away Aaron Jones and not not allowing Aaron Jones in that running game uh, to control this game. Uh, Seattle made a consistent concerted effort that Aaron Jones was not going to beat them. And he had the couple touchdowns, uh, which we'll get into more in just a moment. But that 23-yard run started things off. The remainder of the day, Aaron Jones, 20 carries, 39 yards. So less than two yards per carry after that initial 23-yard burst. He did only have one catch as well for four yards. Did have the couple touchdowns, but this was far from a spectacular day uh, from the run offense. Uh, Tyler Irvin had a couple nice runs uh, on an end around. 
around uh, in another, uh, I think it was like a jet sweep type play. So he had a couple nice runs. Jamal Williams had a couple runs in there. But uh, overall, Seattle did a really great job of taking away uh, the run offense for Green Bay. And, and they had a concerted effort to shut down Aaron Jones. And I thought they did a really great job of that. But so much of this game was about Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and, and to a large extent with some big plays, uh, Jimmy Graham as well. And I have been insanely critical of Jimmy Graham, and I think rightfully so through the majority of the course of the last couple years. Uh, and uh, I thought he he's had a lot of plays that he's left on the field. I questioned against the, the Detroit Lions if he had any tools left in the toolbox. Going back through these last couple regular seasons, I did not see somebody who could get up the seam. I did not see somebody that could run after the catch. I did not see somebody that could be a red zone weapon. I did not see somebody certainly uh, who could run block or pass protect as a blocking tight end. I just didn't see a lot of what I think Green Bay needed out of Jimmy Graham. Well, uh, third down conversions was a tool that he apparently still has in his toolbox, and he came up with some major clutch catches, including the catch that really sealed the game. So uh, happy to be wrong uh, about maybe uh, you know saying that Jimmy Graham didn't have any tools left in the toolbox. He certainly proved that he still has some tools to offer this offense. Came up really big today, and uh, I'll certainly eat crow on that one. And uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to do so uh, with that you know performance. Wasn't gangbusters. Wasn't like he had 100 yards and a couple touchdowns, but uh, they needed those first downs, and that was a, a big difference maker in this sort of game. And, uh, you know, beyond Jimmy Graham and, and the performance that he had, uh, I thought offensively this was this was vintage Aaron Rodgers, this was vintage Devontae Adams, and I thought those two got on the same page early and often, and I thought it was a really telling quote from Aaron Rodgers after the game that this was a, a special game that he had with Devontae Adams where uh, it echoed, this is an Aaron Rodgers words, and I'm paraphrasing here, of course, but that it echoed some of the things that he and Jordy Nelson were able to do without communicating just some of the ad lib and knowing what each other were going to do on the play even when the play called for something different uh, that he knew what Roger or excuse me he knew what Adams was going to do again without having any sort of verbal or nonverbal communication on the play it was just a in sync feeling that of course we saw with Rodgers and Jordy Nelson for so long that was so impressive they just had this uh, you know sort of ESP sort of connection where they each knew exactly what was going to happen on each individual play. It was a special connection, and, and it was interesting to hear Rodgers call that out today and say uh, that today Devontae Adams and he had that Jordy Nelson-esque connection, which is, of course, very high praise. And some of the first downs, the touchdowns that Devontae Adams came down with, his route running was fantastic. His route running was superb. Uh, I thought his his uh, move that he put on the, the defensive back in the open field to get open, uh, Rodgers was actually critical of himself on that play. This was the second touchdown uh, for Devontae Adams where he ran kind of the double move and got to the sideline and then cut back inside and ran for the touchdown. Uh, Rodgers was critical of himself on that play so that he threw that high and behind Adams. I kind of joked that it it ended up working out because uh, Adams was able to kind of naturally spin back inside after having to kind of catch it behind him a little bit, which allowed him to kind of accelerate a little bit quicker and get to the end zone. But uh, Rodgers said that uh, he needed to, you know, place that ball a little bit better but Devontae Adams made a fantastic play there. 
I thought the the third down conversion by Adams at the end of the game was just just a spectacular spectacular play. You you talk about you know two minutes left, but really potentially the game on the line. That's a, that's a five point game. Uh, the the Seahawks were running on all cylinders in the second half. Russell Wilson was playing at a whole nother level. Uh, you did not want to give the ball back there in any capacity to Russell Wilson. So to be able to come up with that play. The route by Devontae Adams was stellar. Uh, the throw by Aaron Rodgers could not have been any more perfect. Uh, so that that was just such a key play in the game. Uh, the the fade, uh, you know, they were kind of running the. Uh, it looked like they were going to run kind of uh, crisscrossing routes, and then Devontae Adams cut it off and hit the fade on the sideline to get the opening touchdown. And then just all the other plays that Devontae Adams was involved with set a Packers playoff record uh, with his performance. And I just thought that this was a vintage Aaron Rodgers, vintage Devontae Adams performance with a little bit of Jimmy Graham sprinkled in as well. So uh, those were my big takeaways on offense. Uh, You had Alan Lazard that got injured before half. Uh, I don't necessarily know that they did a great job of replacing him. And I think that uh, the play of the receivers behind Adams and Lazard has been a little bit of an issue. Uh, you know, I thought Jake Kumaro struggled to really get anything going. MVS had the one catch on the sidelines early in the game, didn't really do much after that. So now we're going to really have to monitor Alan Lazard's injury status going into San Francisco. It seemed to me like he was potentially cleared to play, uh, but he was going to be maybe more of an emergency option for the remainder of the game. It looked like his helmet was uh, still available to him for him to go back in the game. And it, starting the second half, it looked like he was going to go back in. But uh, unless I missed something, I do not believe he got back in the game. Uh, so that's going to be an injury that's worth monitoring uh, going forward. Um, just to expound a little bit upon uh, the the Graham and Adams and how important they were to the the passing offense on this specific day, uh, Graham and Adams combined for 209 of the 243 passing yards. So 209 out of 243, Adams with eight catches, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, just a massive performance, and uh, yeah, could not say more about the the performance of Jimmy Graham, uh, Devontae Adams, and of course Aaron Rodgers as well. Uh, Two other big takeaways on offense that I want to touch on. I thought one of the biggest differences in this game as a whole was the third down conversions by the Packers offense. That has been a thorn in their side through the entirety of this season. Going 9 of 14 in this game, really the biggest difference maker. And uh, I don't know that they, again, win this game without the performance that they had. Uh, You know, those nine third down conversions, you had a third and eight to Jimmy Graham for 13 yards, a third and seven to Devontae Adams for a 20-yard touchdown, a third and one uh, for a one-yard touchdown by Aaron Jones, a third and one that was a two-yard quarterback sneak by Aaron Rodgers, third and one, one one-yard touchdown by Aaron Jones. Third and six uh, to Jimmy Graham for 27 yards. Third and 10, Geronimo Allison for 11 yards. That was a big uh, conversion and a really nice play by Geronimo Allison. Uh, Third and eight to Devontae for 32. And then, of course, the game clincher, third and nine to Jimmy Graham for nine yards. So, you know, there were the, uh, you know, three third and ones in there, but third and eight, third and seven, third and six, third and 10, third and eight, third and nine. Uh, those are not easy conversions, especially in a game like this. And those third down conversions were really the difference maker in this game, keeping those drives going, getting in the end zone. And uh, that's a that's a real big reason why Green Bay was able to come away with the win. And lastly, from an offensive standpoint, 
I talked earlier about how this game at times kind of seemed to echo some of the stuff that was going on in the NFC Championship game. Well, one way that that's very much not true at all is Green Bay in the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks had those two you know drives that ended at the one-yard line where Mike McCarthy chose to kick field goals. Uh, Aaron Jones converting two third and ones for touchdowns, getting in the end zone, putting 14 points on the board, not even putting Matt LaFleur in any sort of position uh, to make those type of decisions. Uh, I thought that was also a real difference maker and again, a real difference from what happened in that NFC championship game. They were able to convert from the one yard line, which has been a problem for this Packers team for, for years, getting some of those, you know, third and fourth and one conversions has, has never exactly been easy uh, for some of these teams over the course of the the last you know decade almost it seems like but uh, they came up with two really big third and one touchdowns and while Aaron Jones didn't have massive numbers those two touchdowns were massive plays so uh, again even even in games that don't have major stat lines Aaron Jones still finds a way usually to make some sort of big impact and I thought that was his big impact in this game from a defensive standpoint this was a, a tale of two halves you know in the first half I thought they did a much better job of containing Russell Wilson within the pocket. Uh, they used a lot of mush rushes, which is them just kind of almost fainting a a pass rush. They're they're uh, they're just trying to you know kind of get upfield and 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 kind of keep Russell Wilson in the pocket. It wasn't necessarily trying to uh, disrupt the play. It was trying to keep him in the pocket and, and trying to make the receivers win downfield against you know seven man coverage. So I thought they did a really nice job of that in the first half, limiting. Uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense to three points. And uh, in the second half, it was, you know, it could not have been any different. Uh, They lost contain, it seemed like, on almost every single play in the second half on defense. There were still certainly some big plays, you know, mixed in and and the Preston Smith sack that really kind of sealed the game from a defensive standpoint was was one of those plays in the second half. But uh, Russell Wilson was slippery and, uh, you know, it was was one of the ultimate slippery performances that I can ever remember. It just seemed like, uh, you know, he had, you know, grease on his jersey. It was like a... Uh, a pig at a county fair. They could not contain him at all. He continued to escape the pocket, make big plays downfield, make big plays with his legs. And a big piece of that was just losing contain. I kind of got the feeling, and and I don't want to necessarily say that this is the case, but I kind of got the feeling that a lot of players on defense wanted to be the player to kind of make the play, get the big sack, get off the field, you know, or or kind of be the, the hero maybe a little bit more when they, when they had the big lead in the second half, rather than kind of play that kind of contain mush rush defense. It's not a lot of fun for defensive linemen. You're just trying to really stay within your lanes and not get after the quarterback. And when you have a team of Kenny Clarks and Zedarius Smiths and Preston Smiths, you know, they want to get after the quarterback. And I think they got a little bit antsy in the second half, uh, lost some patience. And I think that's why they lost some of that contain. And and the results were almost disastrous uh, and give a lot of credit to Russell Wilson. Wilson was fantastic in the second half. And that was a vintage performance where if you're just an NFL fan, maybe you're a former Wisconsin and Russell Wilson fan, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, 
That was a beautiful performance by Russell Wilson. He legitimately took that game in the in his own hands and almost, in a way, single-handedly uh, brought them back and uh, gave them an opportunity to win the game. And, the, you know, the defense made those stops at the end when they needed to, but that was a vintage Russell Wilson performance. And uh, it, it'll be a lot more fun watching him in hindsight, knowing that Green Bay won the game. And, uh, you know, I don't... I don't think anyone's going back to watch the film necessarily to watch, you know, Russell Wilson highlights in this one, but it, as a fan of the NFL, he, he was spectacular and it was a lot of fun to watch both Aaron Rodgers and, and Russell Wilson in this game. So, uh, you know, the defense had their hands full and yeah, they needed to do a better job of containing Russell Wilson, but a lot of times that's easier said than done. And, and Wilson was just in a zone, especially in the second half and, and try to do everything in his power, you know, uh, say what you will about Russell Wilson. That guy is a winner and, and knows how to, to find ways to win football games. And again, he just about came away uh, with a, another major come, behind, uh, come from behind victory against the Packers today and really did everything in his power to try to do so. Uh, secondary, I thought played really well. This is one of those games where uh, it's going to take, you know, really going back. I did watch the the game once more on the, you know, on game pass with the uh, condensed version of the game, but it's going to take, you know, going back and really watching this game in great detail to see, you know, who really performed well on defense because, you know, so much of this was a, a unique kind of, you know, defense that they were playing. Like I said, in the first half, they're not really trying to get after the quarterback quite so much. The secondary was asked to cover for long stretches of time. So it's it's going to take some time to kind of go through all of this and really determine who played well and who didn't. Uh, you had the Kevin King dropped interception earlier, you know, early in the game, which uh, you know could have been a really big game change in play. Uh, Kevin King's had a really nice season, uh, and, and I think he gets, you know, he gets way too much fault uh, than than he deserves. And I, I think he's had a great year, and I think uh, I think it it goes. It goes to show, you know, how difficult the cornerback position is to play, and uh, I think he deserves a lot more credit for the play that he puts on the field. But that would have been a really big interception to come up with. They threw it right to him, and he dropped it, and then gave up uh, the big play. You know, one play later down the sidelines, you know, instead of getting the turnover, it results in three points for the Seahawks. So that was a little bit of a game-changing play there. Uh, the the Jair Alexander forced fumble really early. Uh, Chandon Sullivan, in my opinion clearly recovered the football. I thought there was visual evidence that he recovered the football. I'm not sure what the NFL's, you know, saying there that they they didn't have visual evidence. And and here's the bigger thing. Here's the the big mistake from the NFL standpoint. We know that this is going to be a situation now in the NFL where plays are challenged and they're going to get overturned. And referees have gotten better with letting the the play go through the whistle. You cannot have a situation where you do not award a team the football on the field, even if you call that play incomplete. You need to make a ruling on the field at that point of who recovered the football. You had to uncover the pile anyway. You, you know, you had to see who was at the end of that pile with the football. You know that there's an opportunity that this could get overturned in the future. So may, while you're there, note in your little referee notebook 
who came up with the football in the pile. That way you don't have to worry about whether or not there was a, a clear recovery uh, on the play. So Chandon Sullivan came up with that football. There is zero uh, disputing that fact. You know, whether there was visual evidence or not shouldn't have mattered if the referees just noted on the field that Chandon Sullivan came up with the football. So that's a frustrating play. And that's something that they're going to absolutely have to get fixed going forward because Jair Alexander made a great hit. It was a free ball. Chandon Sullivan came up with it. And that's a major game-changing play in that game, going from getting the ball in plus territory to, you know, Green Bay did a great job holding three and out from there, but they got the ball pinned at their own 10-yard line. That's that's about a 40, 50-yard loss. Uh, you know, for the Packers by having that play overturned in, in a in a way that it shouldn't have been. Uh, so uh, I, I think that that was a, a big game-changing play in the game. Uh, there's so much, you know, the Preston Smith sack uh, to get the ball back at the end, I thought was a, a signature moment for Preston Smith. I think Preston Smith kind of came, came in gangbusters through the first about six, seven weeks. He was really the better of the Smiths. Uh, if you if you go back and, and try to remember, he was the one that was leading in sacks. He was the one that was getting a little bit more publicity. Both of them were playing great, but uh, Preston was the one that kind of came, came in gangbusters. Through the second half of the season, he didn't play bad, don't get me wrong, but uh, didn't have quite that impact. I thought that was a huge signature play for Preston Smith to get that massive sack, get the Packers uh, defense off the field, force the Seattle punt, and that was the last time Seattle would touch the ball. So a really big performance there from Preston Smith. Kenny Clark, you know, bad back and everything. I thought he battled really, really well, was a huge key cog in why the the Seahawks were not able to get their running game going. Marshawn Lynch didn't do anything. The Seahawks running backs did not do anything. The rushing yards looked much better because of Russell Wilson's scrambling, not because they actually ran the ball well. And Kenny Clark was a huge piece in the middle of the defense. He also had the play where he hustled from behind uh, and and tackled Russell Wilson for the sack, uh, you know, really catching up to him from behind, which is, you know, for a 300-pound defensive lineman is is really incredible. So uh, I thought, especially when you consider, uh, again, the, the injury that he had all week, didn't really practice much all week. That was a gutsy and impressive performance from Kenny Clark. And yeah, the, you know, Russell Wilson special. Uh, he gave it everything he had to come back. The, the Packers made just enough plays. And it, like I said, it's going to take some time to go through this film. And of course, I'll have my grades up at the end of the week on Packer Report of uh, who I thought really came out as the best players uh, for the Packers defense in this game. But it's just one of those games with how Green Bay schemed it that it, it's tough to tell even on a first and second watch of of really who the, the best and worst players were. Because again, the secondary had to cover for long stretches of time. The, the, the defensive line and edge rushers were uh, asked to do something a little bit different than normal. So it, it's going to take some some full film study and film review to review it. But I thought there were certainly some things, as I've mentioned so far, that kind of stood out. And Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, Jair Alexander, uh, those were just a few of the names that kind of stood out uh, throughout the majority of the game on defense. And again, they they came up with the play when they need to. It wasn't always a, a bend but don't break. There was, there was a lot of breaking in the second half. But again, I think the, the big takeaway is they came up with the plays when they needed to. And again, that Preston Smith sack at the end uh, really, really changed everything because Seattle was in a position to go in and, and take the lead in that drive. They were down only five points and they were cruising on offense. So a massive, massive play there. 
From a special team standpoint, not a ton that stood out. You had the 50-yard field goal miss uh, by the Seahawks. That doesn't change the outcome too much. Green Bay got some good field position after that, but uh, not a not a massive game-changing swing when when you consider they still lost by five points anyway. Uh, you know, Seattle probably wouldn't have you know you know maybe gone for two. I don't know. There maybe could have been some things that that changed up from that point on, but. I think overall that 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 field goal was the kind of the big thing that stood out on special teams, but I don't know how much of a uh, a swing it actually was in the game. You know, the the only other special teams play that really kind of stood out was J.K. Scott's 25-yard punt, and I think the real reason that stood out is just everything was going wrong for the Packers at that point, and and Green Bay really needed a J.K. Scott punt to to pin him inside the 20 at at minimum. Even if it was the 19-yard line and it was like a a 29-yard punt instead of a 25-yard punt, it at least would have felt better that they pinned him inside the 20, but the 25-yard punt and not even able to get him inside the 20 just really stung at that moment. And uh, J.K. Scott uh, has had some major ups this year, but he has to get more consistent. And he had some really big punts, especially early in this game when when Green Bay had some really poor field possession and he really flipped it. So I don't want to pile on J.K. Scott here, but just really inconsistent through stretches of the season. And that 25-yard punt came at a really bad time. And it just seemed like it was at a moment where everything was going wrong for the Packers. And that certainly didn't help. Players of the game... I'm going to go pretty chalk here again, pretty basic, uh, as I was accused once of before, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You know, this is a game where, you know, I think there were some questions as to whether or not if the game came down to it, was was Aaron Rodgers going to be up to the task? We saw him miss a lot of throws against Detroit. Let's just be real. He has not been on top of his game through the course of the last six weeks of the season. Um, I I know that there have been uh, some plays that he's continued to make at a very spectacular, very high level, but it hasn't been consistent. He's been missing some easy throws. And I think it was a fair question to ask coming in is if this came down to Aaron Rodgers needing to make uh, you know consecutive plays throughout the course of the game and really put together a full game. Is that something that he, and, and, and I don't want to just put this on Aaron either. He and this offense could do because it, it takes the receivers getting open. It takes the offensive line blocking and uh, it takes it takes plays like the plays we saw from Jimmy Graham today uh, to give Aaron Rodgers those targets downfield. And I thought the offense as a whole and especially Aaron Rodgers really came to play. Uh, Rodgers mentioned in his press conference that he was really uh, on, you know, he felt on his game from Wednesday going on. He said he felt in pregame warmup that it was just one of those one of those games where everything seemed like it was clicking. He he felt uh, he he felt it, you know, for lack of a better word. He could just feel it in pregames that it was going to be something where he was locked in from the beginning of the game on and uh, from the beginning of the game really to that the, those last couple completions to Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham uh, to really seal the game. Uh, I thought he controlled the game perfectly. He had some of it, you know, those classic Aaron Rodgers throwaways. I, I didn't mind the the throwaways that he had. I didn't, I, you know, I had the the unique view from the press box, and I didn't think he had anyone all open downfield, uh, you know, on those plays when he did throw the ball away. I thought those were sound decisions. He didn't take the sacks, got rid of the football, didn't turn the ball over, and uh, just a really impressive performance. And then Devontae Adams, uh, this was this was a a game that they don't win without that performance from Devontae Adams, and. It, it, 
He's a special player. He is a special talent. And and I'll, I'm going to move to my play of the game, which I, I really believe was that third down conversion from Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. That play in that situation, you know, two minutes left, you've got, what, third and eight-ish, and you do not, you're only up by five points. You do not want to give the ball back to the Seahawks. And that play in that situation with so much on the line, so much on the line, I thought that throw and that route and that catch were just everything that that football is. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. It was art. Devontae Adams wrote on the play was it was amazing and you know they Aaron Rodgers mentioned that the check on that play uh, wasn't a normal check he said Devontae actually made a better check on the play uh, with how he ran that route and I think that's kind of where he got into that special connection that he normally had with Jordy Nelson that you know he kind of got uh, a inkling that Devontae might take the route that way even though it wasn't necessarily and I'm I'm gleaning, you know, trying to glean what Aaron Rodgers was trying to mean here a little bit, but um, I don't think, you know, Devontae was supposed to, you know, check his route kind of more outside on that play, but that's what the the corner gave him, and he took it in that direction, and, and Rodgers was really impressed with that in his postgame presser with how with how Adams ran that route, and then the ball from Rodgers. You just you can't ask for anything more. The only thing you could potentially ask for on that play was Devontae trying to find a way to stay in bounds. It was a huge play nonetheless, but uh, that really saved the the Seahawks a timeout and, uh, you know, or 40 seconds, I guess I should say, depending on how they would have, you know, let that play out. But, uh, you know, would have loved to have seen him try to get down before going out of bounds, but uh, take nothing away from the play and the route and the throw. And with, with the stakes on that play, it was beautiful. It was a play that will stick out to me for a long time, and that's that's one that believe you know belongs on the the Dusty Evely highlight reel. He's got a whole Twitter reel of every single amazing Aaron Rodgers throw, and and that one absolutely, in my opinion, because of how important it was in a divisional round game. Uh, that that throw and that that play in, in total really deserves to go on there, and and that was my play of the game. There certainly could have been a lot that were in the discussion. The Preston Smith sack, the the earlier Devontae Adams touched downs certainly right in the conversations as well but uh, that that specific play even the third down you know by Jimmy Graham could be in here too but I thought that was really one of the bigger plays in the game because if they missed on that you're you're punting the ball away with two minutes left with Russell Wilson down five and you know Knowing the season, I think the the Packers defense probably would have been up to the task, but I'm glad we didn't have to figure it out, and I'm glad they could end the end the ball game without getting the ball back to Russell Wilson, and that play was a huge reason why. It's probably you know for for one last takeaway here, it's probably a good moment to talk about that that last play in the game besides the three kneel downs at the end uh the the Jimmy Graham first down I know there has been a lot of discussion about whether or not Jimmy Graham got the first down whether the line on the Fox broadcast was correct you know they had the initial ruling and then they got additional footage which what the hell uh, what the hell is that I mean can you imagine if they went and reviewed the play said the play stood and then came back and said they got a additional footage and they've now overturned the play. I mean, that place 
Lambeau Field would have rioted if that were the case, and it, it would have been uh, it would have been something. Matt Lafleur did mention that had it not been a first down, they were planning on going for it on fourth down. So all gas, no break. They were going to be aggressive on that play. Uh, had he not picked it up, but my take on that play, uh, one, I, I think he may have been a tiny bit short, but my, my ultimate take on it could be summed up best by Aaron Rodgers earlier in the week when he said, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if he got the first down. I don't care if it was a good spot, a bad spot, whether the line was off. They marked it as a first down. They didn't overturn it. Green Bay got hosed out of a turnover uh, earlier in the game on replay. Uh, I don't care if this was a first down or not. They marked it as such. It was close enough as it is. And with everything that happened in that game, uh, you know, Green Bay, I think, did enough to deserve that win. And I'm not going to go back. This is a, this is a Packers-Seahawks rivalry that has the Lance Easley fail Mary. I am not going to lose sleep over whether or not uh, Jimmy Graham did or did not get that first down by a, a matter of inches. It was marked as such. They kept the play, uh, you know, standing on the field. I think stands was the right call. And at the end of the day, I don't care. The Packers are going to Santa Clara for the NFC Championship. That's what I care about. Uh, so I, I, like I said, you can post as many photos or GIFs or videos of, of where the third down or, or where the first down line should have been and whether he picked it up or not. I don't care. I do not care. He picked it up. It will forever be that he picked it up. And uh, that's that's all that matters at this point. Packers are going to Santa Clara to face the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. And that's that. So I know the uh, you know Bears fans and, and Vikings fans will love to to pile on and say that it was just another situation where the the Packers get all the calls. Well, you know, go back to the the first half where they didn't get uh, the fumble call earlier in the game, and I think you can dispute that pretty easily. Looking ahead, of course, next Sunday is going to be Titans Chiefs as the the opening game, and then Packers 49ers, which means by the time kickoff next week hits, there will be only three teams left that can win the Super Bowl this season, and the Packers will be one of those teams. Just a a special run, 14 wins already on the season. Uh, They'll have to get 16 to win a Super Bowl, but they're two away, two wins uh, you know, it'll be, you know, San Francisco in San Francisco, and then either the Titans or the Chiefs in Miami if they want to claim uh, that Lombardi trophy. It feels to me, and take this for what it's worth, it feels to me like the 49ers and Chiefs are the better teams, the more complete teams. It feels to me like the Titans and the Packers have that team of destiny thing going for them. And who knows how that will end up? Uh, it was it's, it was a very interesting week, uh, a weekend of football. That that Chiefs victory down twenty four nothing, and then you know picking up a win. They they rolled to a victory after being down twenty four nothing. The closest thing I can think of coming to that is when the Packers were down fourteen nothing to the Seahawks in that snow bowl game, and then they you know they basically boat raced the the Seahawks and, and completely flattened them after that. That's about the closest I can think of. But being down twenty four nothing and then winning by twenty. 20 points is just an incredible outcome. So I think the Chiefs are really good. You saw the 49ers really handily take care of the Minnesota Vikings, but the Packers did that earlier, you know, this season too. So 
Uh, Titans was a, a phenomenal performance against the Ravens and the Packers, all they do, you know, know how to do is win. So I, I really like these matchups. Chiefs and, and 49ers both open up as at about seven point favorites. So uh, Vegas seems to like Chiefs and 49ers. Like I said, I think those are the two more complete teams, but uh, you know what? The Ravens are a pretty complete team. Yeah, the Patriots, yeah, maybe not the most complete team, but they're a good football team. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the Saints, a very complete football team. We've seen a lot of complete teams uh, go down already this season. And it's it's the team that catches fire and gets hot and uh, goes on a run. And the, like I said, the Packers and Titans kind of seem to be those teams that have that sort of run in them. But the Chiefs and 49ers, two very talented, very good football teams. And the Titans and the Packers will both uh, have their work cut out for them. But maybe we can get a Titans-Packers Matt LaFleur Bowl uh, coming up uh, in a few weeks at, at February. That'd be pretty special. But you'll hear all week, I'm sure, about Matt LaFleur having to face his brother, who, of course, is uh, on the offensive side of the coaching staff for the 49ers. And we'll hear a lot of, as well about uh, how the Packers played so horribly in San Francisco earlier this year. You know, going back in that game, one of the biggest things that, you know, was my takeaway, there's a lot that went wrong. But Brian Bulaga going down earlier in that game and having Alex Light play and having to go against Nick Bosa, it just changed everything with the offense. It changed everything because they had to chip, they had to double team, they had to do everything they could just to try to make it so that Nick Bosa wasn't sacking Aaron Rodgers on every play. And uh, that was a, a massive, massive series of events that took the Packers' offense out of it. Then they just couldn't do anything on offense. The defense wore down. Uh, the defense, I thought, did a pretty good job you know, staying okay for the most part in the first half, but uh, it just got insurmountable and then the Packers offense couldn't do anything and it was it was over from there. But I, I don't think that that's going to be a, a real huge indicator of how this Sunday is going to go. Make no mistake, the 49ers are a damn good football team and Green Bay has their work cut out for them. And if I'm, if I'm a betting man, I, I'm picking the San Francisco 49ers in that game. Uh, but like I said, you know, Green Bay is going to be right there in it. I think if you want one thing and, and we'll break it all down the this week on the Pack a Day podcast, but this will be the last time you hear from me uh, prior to the game. If you want to watch one thing in that game that's going to dictate uh, this game, and this this goes for a lot of games. I'm not making a bold statement here, but it's definitely true in this game. Just watch the line of scrimmage. That 49ers front four with D Ford, Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead. Those front four echo to me that New York Giants front that was so good uh, in their Super Bowl run with Strahan and Tuck and Kiwanuka and that whole group. I, I thought they were fantastic against the Vikings and and Green Bay's offensive line is really going to have to be up to the task and Nick Bosa single-handedly uh, can t- can change a game. Uh, you add D Ford and and Buckner and Eric Armstead to that and it's a it's a nightmare to have to go against. And then on the other side of the ball, San Francisco's running game, we saw what they did against Minnesota. Green Bay's defensive line has to control that up front. You you have to make Jimmy Garoppolo work uh, to the outside and it's not like that's an easy task either, especially with the way D Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders are playing as well, but you've got to take away the running game in the middle of the field with George Kittle and make Jimmy Garoppolo stand in the pocket, get pressure on him and make him make throws to the outside because there's that potential that he'll give you the football uh, in those scenarios and you have the opportunity to make some plays. 
And if if you were to tell me that the game would come down to Debo Samuel and uh, Emmanuel Sanders versus Jair Alexander and Kevin King, that I can live with. If you said that the you know you spent extra tra- time trying to take them away and, and George Kittle or the running game got going and they just gashed you all day, that would be a tougher pill to swallow. So I think they got to work inside out, take away the inside of the field, take away George Kittle, take away the running game, and really make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you you know outside the hash marks. And if you can do that, I think you got a real good chance against the. 49ers and I really do think you know the the struggles today by the Packers defense were because Russell Wilson was basically not tackleable in the open field. He was phenomenal. Uh, Jimmy Graham will not have that issue. He will be a classic pocket passer. Now the downside is San Francisco offensively does everything else better than the San Francisco, than the Seattle Seahawks do. So there's a lot of challenges there. But uh, if they can if they can keep things in the the middle of the field shut down, make Jimmy Garoppolo take those five and seven step drops. Let Devon or excuse me, uh, Zadarius Smith. Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, you know, some time to get to the quarterback. I think that's a recipe for success, but watch the line of scrimmage. That's going to really dictate everything on both sides of the football. We'll keep it, uh, you know, an extra eye on some of the injury updates this week. Alan Lazard certainly going to be a big one. You would think hopefully those illnesses clear out, but uh, this is obviously a major illness. Listen, if Brian Bulaga is missing a game due to an illness, you know that this is not just some some flu game where you get an IV and are able to play through it. He, he's going through something, and there's no way that that guy misses a playoff game unless it's a brutal illness. So uh, let's hope that that illness can be done with and they don't suffer any more illnesses and everyone healthy to go next week, but uh, that'll be something to, to keep an eye on as well, as well as some of the, the Knicks that Green Bay kind of took throughout the game, including to Alan Lazard. So we'll keep you updated here on the Packaday podcast with those injury updates as well. Keep it here all week. This is going to be a massive week as Green Bay heads into an NFC championship. We're going to certainly ramp up our coverage. We're going to make sure that we've got everything covered for you. So make sure to keep it here on the Packaday podcast. If you have not yet, please go out and subscribe. That does it for me today. It's been an epic day. It was a magical feeling around Lambeau Field. The Packers are heading to an NFC championship to play the San Francisco 49ers. What a fun season. What a fun day. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. Uh, Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Again, keep it here all week. Make sure to go out and subscribe. Uh, But until next time, and as always... Go Pack Go. Seattle, you're the visiting team. It is your choice. We're going Tails. Tails. Tails is the call. It is Tails. You win the toss, Seattle. We'll defer. Defer. Seattle wins the toss. Lex to defer their choice in the second half. Green Bay will receive. Myers with the run up and a swing of the right leg. We're underway in the divisional round of the playoffs. Goes to Aaron Jones, big hole around the left end, outside the numbers 30, 35, 40. He's to the 45, rope down to the deep secondary, 23-yard run to start the festivities here. Here's the snap, rushes on. He looks, he lost, left side, Delonte's got it, touchdown, on an over-the-shoulder grab in the corner of the north end zone, and the Packers take the lead on a 20-yard touchdown pass. Aaron under center. Third down, a goal to go at the one. Here's the handoff to Jones, fighting his way to the end zone. Is he in? Yes! Touchdown! Aaron Rodgers under center. And here is the flip to Irvin around the left end. Makes the turn 40. 45-50. Breaks the tackle. Stumbling 45. Brought down to the 40-yard line number. Third down, goal to go. Rodgers shotgun. Jones to his right. 
Here's the give, Aaron Jones to the end zone, touchdown, straight ahead run. Aaron Jones, second touchdown of the night, gives the Packers a 20-3 lead. Third down, snap, Roger, shotgun, lost it over the right side. Jimmy Graham over the shoulder, catch, 45-yard line of Seattle, and down he goes. Rodgers under center, fake to Jones, Rodgers deep drop, looking, pops it over the left side, Devontae wide open, outside the numbers 20, cuts it back, right pass forward, 10 to the 5, to the end zone, high stepping, touchdown, Devontae Adams, 40 yards. Third and 5, and this is huge, 3.38 to go for the game, Packers lead by 5. Wilson shotgun, snap to Russell Wilson, rushes off, Wilson has had a set, with a huge play! A mega play by Preston Smith. Loss of six. Third down and eight. 2.19 to go in the game. Rodgers in the shotgun. Takes the snap. Rushes on. Lost it over the right side. Devontae yeah. over the shoulder. Kent's got out of bounds. Cross the 50. First down Green Bay. The 46-yard line of Seattle. That was huge. Third and nine for Green Bay. Huge play here for the Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun. Snap to Rodgers. Blitz on. He throws it over the middle. Jimmy Graham's got it. Stumbling close to the first down. He's got the first down. 36-yard line of Seattle. First and ten. Gain of nine. The dagger in this one was the stumbling catch by Jimmy Graham. And time is winding down on this one. And that'll do it. The Green Bay Packers have advanced to the NFC Championship game with a 28-23 victory over the Seattle Seahawks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.